This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. Hello, I'm Bachelor Party's Tom Hanks. It's a celebration of actors who, uh, well, frankly, they don't get celebrated enough. I mean, besides the Oscars and the Emmys and the Golden Globes and the People's Choice Awards, when do we get accolades? Well, the costumes were quite hard to work in. You know, there were so many, so you think, crikey, like, which crikey, one do we... what fun is this? Hi, God. Why are you mocking my accent? Because it's fake. It's about time we end the charade. It's not fake. I'm from London, end England. End I'm from London, England. <sighs> in my neighborhood, uh, when people say black swan, there's only two words they think of. Don Cheadle. The role of Black Hitler meant a lot to me. I wanted to portray Hitler in a way he was always meant to be portrayed, as a proud woman of color. TV ate my dinner. Preach it, Reverend Sean. Because you're like, if this guy's capable of fighting Palpatine, why is he making soup in a stump in a swamp? How reductive. <laughs> yeah. Would the different gravity make them like, like suck in or explode or something? I want to see exploding boobies <laughs> oh, in outer space. <laughs> That would be something. This episode of TV 8 My Dinner is brought to you by Steven Seagal Lightning Bolt. I'm the only one here who doesn't play with dolls. That's a sad commentary on you, man. Whatever, man. All right. You never want to take me someplace nice. You just want to stay at home and watch Star Trek. According to Wikipedia, the skunk cave is a time traveler. You're not sure if a rapist robot is good or not? I'm sure that a rapist robot is probably the worst thing you can have. <laughs> if I had a demon inside of me, I would go to Planned Parenthood. Are we traveling through time? What's my destiny? Something new with numbers? He fondled her, caressed her, held her breast savagely. I don't really care about you playing Farmville. I want to know what's happening in your life. Begin program for Saucy Backtalk. So I'm ready. You recording? I just told you I was recording. Okay, well, you said you were going to... Oh, whatever. You're listening to TV8, my dinner. My name is Sean, and I'm sitting here with Lynn. Good morning. And there's absolutely no telling what we might talk about tonight. We do have a topic. I feel like we may not get to it tonight, so I'm not even going to say what it is yet. We'll just jump <laughs> or into Or who talking. might join in. Or who... Or what could happen. There's only two of us for now. Greg could m- make <laughs> another almost appearance that leads to another nail-biting cliffhanger ending. Thomas could join in. Thomas likes to join in on my new cat, Emmy. Yeah, we may hear some It's quite some vocal, animal. so we could have the pet edition. <laughs> you never can tell. He seems fairly <laughs> calm, so maybe he won't just lean up and start bellowing. He's, he is kind of a, a drama queen. Uh, he's had a hard time lately, but it, but it, some of it is just him being a spaz. But he's all right. He looks well, he's like a dog. He's sleeping now, so we'll see. He had his medication, so maybe he'll be all right. Oh, good, good dog. All right, yeah. Thomas and I have, have been suffering from parallel injuries. Like around the same time, we both injured like our our right leg. Like it was our left leg. Like I, it happened to me first with my hamstring, and then he had a fall, and he also hurt the same leg. And we've, we've been cycling at the same time, of same levels of pain, and taking most of the same medications. It's been kind of weird. So now we're both coming down. And then and you got fleas too. <laughs> well, <laughs> not as much, but yeah, I have to deal with them as well. They That's the way your pet gets fleas and you're suddenly itching. Yeah, they don't like the taste of me as much, but I do see them. <laughs> but we'll just see. What, we don't have to get into the, the specifics of all that, but yeah, it's pretty... It's like E.T. and Elliot. That's me and Thomas. 
that's the bond. <laughs> and the, just yesterday, we were both down in the bottom of a ditch for no reason at all. In a ditch. That's E.T. That happened. Remember when they found him and then the raccoons uh. chewing on him and stuff? No, I don't remember E.T. <laughs> it's topical. 1982. What's up? I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was little because my mom thought it would be too scary for me and there were aliens. <laughs> You weren't allowed to watch Muppets because they were American. You weren't allowed to watch E.T. because of aliens. Yeah, yeah, there's like an extreme xenophobia of, of of all kinds. Well, like a literal xenophobia in the case of E.T. But yeah, that's true. It's my childhood. That's why I try to catch up on it these days by watching all those other movies that I didn't get to watch. Yeah, well, I'm glad we can help you out by giving you source material. Although E.T., everyone's seen E.T. You probably should. If you well, haven't, I think seen I've seen e. it. I think I've seen bits of it at least. But you know, I'm not sure how well it holds up. It's like a classic; you kind of have to know. But I'm not sure. Like when I was a kid, I saw ET like ten times, and I loved it. But I'm maybe not, you have I've to have watched it. it as a child. Maybe because I've never even seen it as an adult, so I don't even know. Like, and I'm not talking about the CG one. I certainly haven't seen that where they like replaced the guns with walkie talkies or some <laughs> nonsense <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, whatever it was they did. Han Solo just walks in and shoots them all. Right. Yeah, they're they're all riding like some kind of weird lizard monsters, like in the Star Wars <laughs> ones, where just some creature walks in and makes a noise awesome. and looks at the camera and walks away. Did you yeah, ever hear about? Uh, awesome. Oh no, let's not bring that. Wait, oh man, I nearly did an awesome segue. What happened? What? They were going to so... do ET two. Recently? No, right after. There was all kinds of talk about it. I was going to say that, and then I realized that you didn't want to talk about the, about the topic today. I was like, oh, man. Well, that's, well, we'll hint at it. Maybe we'll get to it. We are going to do a, sort of a ro- revival episode, I think, because it was suggested by Wilson that we do something about like sort of sequel misfires for franchises. But we And that would have been a misfire. sort of did that as an episode. And I went back and listened. It is episode 32. But so Which we did a, a long ago. time ago. Yeah, it was a you know 120 some odd episodes ago that we did that. But I listened to it and I listened to the you know I re-listened to it to see which what we did cover and so and I realized there is still some fodder there that we didn't. Thomas, there he is. <laughs> really, bring it down, man. But um, there were some things that we didn't cover. Obviously, we talked about Highlander two and Ghostbusters two and stuff like that. Dude, really? <laughs> he knows you're recording. I know, man. It's like he hasn't done anything all night. And, and to be honest with you, there's some truth to that, I think, because, you know, obviously you're I'm not sitting around else. talking to myself normally. So it, he is more animated now that he hears me just talking, because to his mind, I'm just sitting here talking to myself like a crazy person. He has no my idea cat does that. I was, what's I was going practicing, on. I was practicing for my play the other day, so I'm just speaking the lines out loud and she runs in and starts meowing at me like what are you doing who are you talking to you talking to me yeah am i supposed to be doing something it's the most annoying thing when i'm trying to record a bit like like by myself like i'm trying to record like some audio for a show or when we're doing doing these little songs and things and and you just want him to shut up for half a second and he'll get excited and start walking around and clomping you can hear like his little sound like hooves clomping around (laughs) the house Buddy, I know, but you're not fooling anyone. Oh, Jesus, he really does sound like Chewbacca. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Dude. 
Okay, it's okay, man. It's cool. Hands stuck down the well. Again. <laughs> yeah. Don't know why he keeps jumping in there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but I don't, but yeah, so we covered sequels in an episode, but we didn't cover it all, so we will get to that. Possibly not tonight, possibly in later, and we'll build up to that. I got some free talk stuff, and we already got off to a later start, and not everyone, but I I thought Greg was going to be with us tonight, but, I, you know, yeah. the show will go on. We can't, you never know. He may, he may yet come in. He may have forgotten. But anyway... He may have gotten confused stuff by, happened. you know, turning on yeah. the computer. There's no telling. Man, I've forgotten the, the, which button like it his is. Little, his little Facebook messages. He's like, are we recording? He'll send that, like, to me at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, I'm at work, Greg. I don't check my Facebook at work. <laughs> that is the worst You're the possible only one. Way. You know what I do at work? I answer my phone. You could call me. Uh, your ask. job? I'm assuming you do your job at work. Yeah, I'm doing work. Yeah, okay, yes. Thomas, clump, clump, clump. Go on. <laughs> Poor monkey. Just settle down, buddy. You're, you're, sta- you're staring in the corner. He doesn't know where he is. Well, isn't he blind? He, he is blind. Poor Moppet. Oh. He's pitiful. Dude, just get in. <laughs> He's pitiful. He's breaking my heart. But uh, but yeah. So so he who knows who may who may show up. We don't know. But in the meantime, we we did talk. Okay, <laughs> we'll just forge on. Yeah, we, as as always. But we did talk about uh, some like John Carter, and we talked about Twenty One Jump Street and that kind of stuff. And uh, I haven't seen any new movies mm-hmm. since then. Um, but. Uh, Neither but there I. are some TV busy. shows that I've seen that we, we I don't think we've talked about yet, and a couple things, and some movies coming up I'd kind of like to, to talk about for a second. Well, the first thing we should talk about is Game of Thrones, shouldn't we? I haven't even seen it yet, so it's on demand. Yeah, I, we need Greg, because Greg was watching it. Yeah, it's the only thing, who knows, it's the only thing he ever sees. <laughs> Alright, we'll talk about Game of Thrones if Greg turns up, yeah. because he's actually watched it. But even then, it's limited, because I haven't I haven't seen it, so... Not enough boobs in this episode. There's only one sex scene. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, what are you bringing it back, huh? Yeah, right. Uh, but we'll see. There were some. I know we talked earlier about uh, Warwick Davis did this TV show with Ricky Gervais. Yep. I think we talked about it before it was on. I hadn't seen it at this point, but now I've seen several episodes of it. It's on, they've they've almost got through the whole series now. But have you seen any of that show? Is there is that out no, there I somewhere haven't. where you can download it or whatever? I, I could probably it, download it if I had the time. I thought it was very funny. I mean, I mean, obviously it's Ricky Gervais, so I wasn't surprised that it was very funny. But it is sort of a fun. It's a fun one for me because, you know, they're sort of playing at the, the fact that it's Warwick Davis, but, but it is fun for me because I'm a fan of Warwick Davis. So, so it's on all levels it works for me. So we, I, I know good. we talked about that a little bit, but it's a very funny show. Tick of approval. Also in Ricky Gervais' news, I know I mentioned on the forum at least that that they did a second series of An Idiot Abroad. Oh the yeah, Carl Pilkington show. I couldn't Carl, watch that. Carl Pilkington just torturing just like, a guy for no reason. But he's he's, like, like, oh, he's heroic to me in that like that he soldiers through like at his insights. He's, he's just a miserable curmudgeon throughout. Maybe the just because the episode I was watching, he was just vomiting, and I'm like, I don't want to watch this. What are they doing? 
Because it's the worst uh, one, where they're just, they torture him. Like, they send him off to see whales, but they just put him on this boat where he's just seasick to death, where he can't enjoy (laughs) a thing, even when the whales show up. And that's every episode. They're just trying to get him to do awful things, to torture him. We just call it, let's torture this guy. (laughs) Right? But I can sort of... You Americans like that shit, don't you? In the last episode, they sort of took, like, viewer letters to Carl and then when someone was asking why are you friends with Ricky like you seem to be like opposites in, in personality and his only goal is to annoy He's a you. douche to you. Yeah. yeah. What was the answer? <laughs> well Carl was sort of like being friends with Ricky's like having a dangerous pet you know you get <laughs> in your comfort zone it's kind of nice to know that you can always go to Ricky like like Carl recognizes that he's too complacent and so he he keeps Ricky around he appreciates that Ricky keeps him on the edge brings an element of danger to his life and it makes me challenge that. myself I would do that. I'd do it tomorrow. Like, if you gave me a million dollars to send Brooks around the world and do things that I told him to do that I knew would drive him crazy and they could film it, oh, my God, I would be Of I'd course be you'd like be Ricky the one Gervais. sending someone somewhere else, but would you be the one being sent other places? That's the that. question. Well, yeah, yeah well, that's a the, normal that's person would jump at the chance to do that. But, but I can say, I, I'm saying on the other side, I see Ricky Gervais's point. Like, I, I know that at one end, he's sort of like just a cackling asshole all the time. But I would get that, too, if you said, like, make a list of things that, that, that would drive Brooks mad, and we'll get him to do it for money. Like, oh, yes, definitely, without a doubt. Oh, I've and got quite a few friends I'd like to do that, too. Wonderful television, too, I'm telling you. It'd be good for him, good for us. Just great fun all around. So I get it. Oh, I'd know who I'd send even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's got like the, at least one that you're like, oh, God, I wish I wish I could. <laughs> oh, so I enjoyed that. That's that comfort zone person. There's a new – Kiefer Sutherland has a new show out now called Touch. Have you seen any promos or anything for that? No, no, no. It's by Tim Kring, who was no touching in Australia. He was the head. He was the head guy on Heroes. Like he was the executive producer of that show. Yeah. And you can see that influence because Touch. They they do these stories where they're sort of like these international characters, where they cut around to people all over the world, and you know they do subtitles for people speaking. You know, like it's a multilingual show in some elements, not to a, a great degree. It's mostly English, but I always wonder I always with those things how much research they put into. They put into doing the other language. Do they do they really get genuine linguists to do it? And how often do they stuff it up? You know, like the pamphlets we get that are telling us to suck on tables and stuff. Uh, who even knows? You know? Yeah, I've always thought that. Do was other people from other countries watch those and goes, "What the hell?" Well, like I, I think about that in terms of like Jim Jarmusch. He'll direct these movies that are multilingual, but. You know, like Night on Earth is a good example. They're doing like a segment in Italy. They're doing a segment in Norway. Jim Jim Moosh is a smart guy, but he probably doesn't speak Norwegian. So he's directing. You wouldn't speak that many. He's directing these guys. Who knows how they're really delivering the lines? You know, there's a certain universality to a performance, but at the same time, you don't know the inflection that they're giving to, to the dialogue. Yeah. So I, I wonder about that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, because things can sound quite different if you inflect differently. Yeah, they may look and like they're emoting, but they may be saying based nonsense. Based on tonality. Yeah, I, I think about that. I respect Jarmusch, and I and I really like that movie a lot. But but that, that's the kind of stuff that, that occurs to me when I see that. 
And I guess since you're making it for an American audience, on the one hand, it, it seems like you're being very multicultural, but but on the other hand, no one would ever know. <laughs> they could be speaking pig mm. Latin, and we wouldn't know. Like in Game of Thrones, we just make up a new language and Yeah, like we're talking Klingon. Yeah. But that's what I always liked on Star Wars. They didn't make up languages. They would just, like, you know, tool the audio and do things in Swahili. Everyone's speaking English. <laughs> it's in, it's, on one hand, it's sort of culturally insensitive, but on the other hand, it's just sort of brilliant. It's like, they're just saying something in another language. It doesn't matter. You know, we're not going yeah. to the Wookiee planet for real, you know? It doesn't matter what Lando's fish friend says. Like, he doesn't, like, <laughs> what his language is is irrelevant. He says, like, three lines. Well, that's one of the things I like about Chewie because he just sort of – he just has a vocal moan language. It's just like talking just to your pet. Just noises. Like uh, Ben Bird. And you can t- – you know what he's saying because you just – it's just – you just get the emotion of it. Well, because he's like a dog. It really is. Like when your dog talks to you, you get it. Like it doesn't mean you speak dog. He just makes big eyes at you and goes, ooh, and you're like, ah. Oh. If you're saying that about Han Solo, it's like it may not – he may not actually speak Wookiee. But you know, when like a seven foot dog starts barking at you in a, in a tone, then you kind of get where he's, what he's, you know, what he's getting at. Yeah. Unless you don't know whether or not he wants to go outside. Jesus Christ! Why are you staying? What do you want? You just stand there with the door <laughs> open like an ass. And then like, like whoa, whoa! You, you asked me to get up. There's food in your bowl. The door is open. What? Make it. They usually crazy. just want attention. You want to cuddle, and you pick him up, and they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, exactly." But your pet, yeah, like now I'm just talking about Thomas. Obviously, I don't have a Wookie, but uh, <laughs> I'll pet him, and he'll pull away. Like, no, this is serious. Something's going on. I was like, "Well, what, man? You've had medicine. You you got you got food. You 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 don't want to go outside. What is your problem? It's like just seeing me sitting still is enough to to draw your attention." But, so once again, so the pet know. episode. Yeah, that's all we're getting at. It's like a lot of going on. A lot of things I want to talk about get off my chest. But uh, back to the subject of of Touch, I really do like that show. I've seen about three episodes of it now. What's what's it about? It's about Kiefer Sutherland has a son who's autistic or sort of. You think he's autistic at least, but... But it turns out that he's got this obsession. He doesn't talk and he doesn't communicate and he doesn't. He won't let any touch him. He won't interact with people. But he's obsessed with numbers, so he's always writing these numbers and all this stuff. And he comes to understand, like Kiefer does, and that the numbers mean something. That there's a pattern to them. And he runs into Danny Glover, who's like an old sage-like crazy guy in a robe. You know, he's like a doctor, but every time he goes over to see him, he's just sitting around in his bathrobe, which always makes you wonder if maybe he's just nuts. <laughs> but so he tells him, you know, your son has a gift and he sees patterns and everything. And it's all, you know, it's all about magical geometry and all that. They always show pictures of Nautilus shells and stuff like that when they're trying to teach you about like amazing sim- symmetry and things. So is it just normal but, things that he sees patterns for or is it, you know, psychic things? Well, he, it's the, the the stretch of the show is that he comes up with a number and Kiefer has to sort of bungle around f- looking for this number and things and suddenly he's, and inevitably there's three episodes already and inevitably in all three of these episodes he starts seeing the number and everything it's like it's a guy's phone number it's a guy's address the number twenty three like the, the place you're standing under yeah it's like and but it always leads him the 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 crux of the show is while he's running around trying to make the connections that will fix whatever is out of balance which is sort of what's driving the kid is to fix this thing that's broken you know it's 
the 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 story around that the peripheral story always revolves around people all over the world who are somehow you know in an ancillary way connected to what is going on so the you know this sort of butterfly effect of things you know going around and they always so it's like a series of short stories in that respect where it's little things that get resolved for those people that are the result of the things that he is doing and it's it's a sort of clever show in that respect and it's fun but i i really like it because it could go off the rails but it doesn't stand the potential that heroes had to go off the rails yeah because heroes went off the rail almost immediately and heroes start out with the same basic idea was like what if we had the potential in us to be good on a grand scale what if we had the potential to be you know heroic and, and amazing and then, like, the within three episodes they were all just villains well, the, the, this is instead of finding, you know, certain individuals who had like the ability to be great and then just watching them implode <laughs> week yeah. after week. The the idea is like you have this one child who is obviously exceptional and has an ability, but the rest of the story is just about how we're all connected. Mm. You know, it's something that really speaks to me. That's that's thematically is something that I really like to see. Well, you always did like those shows where some guy goes around Yeah, well, things. that's all TV. That, to me, is all great TV. Week for week, we find people in trouble and we fix their problem, yeah. you know? Because in television, people are driven to want to help people, which I think is good because that's what stories are for. In real life, you, you may want that, but you don't, you've got your own things going on. But in television, there's always someone who has the ability to make a difference and they use that. And nothing to do with their time but fixing people. But in this, yeah, that's the whole idea where he literally sees something, a pattern out of place, and he has to set it right. To So it's got a, a quantum leap element in that way, too, but on a much more complex level. But it does have that sort of good old-fashioned TV hero feel. And like I said, at the crux of it, like every every week, every story is all about how we're all connected and what we do affects each other and matters. And if we if we do positive things, it'll affect other people in a positive way. Yeah, like coming off of 24, which is an extremely dark turn for Kiefer Sutherland, I'm kind of glad to see him doing something like this. I'm afraid it's going to get canceled. Yeah. Like it's on Fox and everything else. Like, but, but this is what I'd like to see on television. That's like the 80s was full of this. Like, well, week for week, you know, oh, we've got a magic car. We're just going to go around helping farmers with it. You know, it's a billion dollar car. Help farmers. That's what we do. You know, those farmers are doing it yeah, tough. Like the, the A team is like, oh, we cost $10,000 away a day, but we're always just helping someone who runs like a clock repair shop and has no money. <laughs> I do like that. Like, that's, I, that is what I want. That is what I think we need. Well, that's the thing. It, it puts it on a personal level because when you think of things like Touched by an Angel and that sort of thing, you think, you know, these people really should be solving, you know, world issues, not, you know, one person can't find their mother or something, you know, like that sort of thing. But then you kind of think it's a, it's directed at you to tell you to be a better person and to teach you how to do these sort of things. So you want to see personal issues. Well, also, and especially Touch is, is, says it much more directly, but also the, the theme there, the, the message is that by affecting people in those little ways, that's, that's what does make the global yeah. difference because everything's connected. That was sort of in the last episode of Quantum Leap, that was sort of what they said. Like at the very end when he's talking to God who's a bartender and all this, and he's telling him like what he's accomplished. God's all about getting us drunk. And he, well, yeah, he's like, well, to me, God as a bartender works as a metaphor. I like that. <laughs> I get that. But 
this idea of him saying, you know, oh, all I did was help a few people out. It's like, well, you know, are you crazy? Like everybody, every life you touch, touched other lives. You know, there was an exponential effect. Like everything yeah. you set right, it blossomed out from that. And you save one life, you might save 50. Yeah. Because if everybody in the world just fought to make one thing right, then think of all the things that, that we could make right. And so pay it forward. Yeah, and it, it, those are beautiful ideas. It's difficult in a in a in a in a hard world like we live in to accept that, but that's you know that's what makes it an ideal. You know that's why that's what stories are for. Stories aren't to reinforce our, our negative prejudices and say, yeah, that's right, life is dark, life is hard. It's like we get it, we know. No one doesn't know that. So that's pointless to, to try to be gritty in television and to try to be real and to try to show you the dark side of humanity, you know, to to some degree, that's irrelevant and, and immature. Whereas it's trying to make stories that appeal to the best of us is much more difficult uh, to sell people on and, and it's much more worthwhile. So I, I do hope okay. that the show continues and they do well because I have enjoyed it. So watch Touch, everyone. That's what I say. Yeah, I would, I'd give it, I mean... I could see where the premise could get exhausted pretty fast. The third episode was already sort of a rip-off of the Fisher King is the story. Like, he finds a guy who's broken and going crazy and wants to storm a castle, which is a corporation, and slay a dragon, which is a corporation, and with a magic like sword. Was. Which is, like, it's very much like a, like a, the Fisher King. But, but so what? That movie came out a million years ago, and television always rips off movies, so that's fine. It's all right. I mean, there's only seven basic stories anyway, isn't there? Yeah, isn't it's, that what it's, they say? it's how you tell a story. I, I, yeah. I, I find it weird that television, there aren't that many episodes to a se- season, but they still sort of end up having to fill time. <laughs> I, I've always found that weird. Like, if you told me, hey, we're going to write this thing and it's going to have like 12 chapters, I wouldn't go, oh, well, I don't know what to do with chapter eight. I guess I'll just rip off Star Wars or whatever, you know? I just would just do an episode where they have amnesia or something. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't, I don't I'd know. I put it in Indonesia. It may just be because it's not that they it's not that they have to fill. It's that they're just like let's have fun with this one. Let's do let's do a knockoff of the Hangover. There was like an episode of Smallville that was just a ripoff of the Hangover. It's like really, but they may have just thought that was funny. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like, you got to well, entertain yourself when you do these. We got plenty of episodes. Let's yeah, the Hangover with superheroes. It's funny. People like repetition, though. It, it's comforting. It's like I was just in this uh, Agatha Christie play. And it's nothing new. It's just a bunch of funny characters and someone dies and it's a whodunit. But, you know, it's people loved it. We got record numbers coming to see it. And people love that sort of the Agatha Christie thing and the, the Stephen King where it's the same novel over and over again, the romance thing. It's a familiarity. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there is comfort in that familiarity. Like, we do seek out – we don't, as a rule, seek to go to places that are all new to us. That's the, the idea to broad thing again, you know. We don't – seek to completely leave our comfort zones when we're wanting to enjoy ourselves like sometimes you do because you want to experience new things but most of the time for recreation you want to have that that level of of familiarity you want to have something you can't watch requiem for a dream every day yeah and that's true as the older i get the more i seek that level of comfort so i get that i mean there are lots of times where i'll i'll want to watch something i'm like yeah but that seems like such a downer like if it's real or artistic or beautiful it might be Yeah, to me, like, something beautiful has to be in some way positive because I just, I just, 
yearn for that. I can't take much more. Like, like whatever you're trying to show me about how bad things are, I just I can't do it. I just need you to lift me up a little bit. And sometimes you don't even have to be that clever about it. <laughs> I, so, I do so that. I I just, that. Some days you're like, just put Monty Python on, please. I just want to laugh at something. Yeah, or play me a TV show where I know how it ends. Like a lot of people are like that. Like I don't, I don't need to be completely surprised. I don't need to be in suspense about everything. You just want to have a nice just, time. Yeah, if, if if it's completely new to me, then I'm too engaged. Like, but if I feel like I know these types of characters and I know where the story is headed, then then I'm a lot more comfortable. It actually activates a pleasure center in your brain that you know what's going to happen and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean that's where television. That's why television has lasted. As long as it has, I mean, we are talking about the basic, same basic archetypes of characters. It's the same and story. thing with music. When you, when your brain recognizes a pattern in music, that's why people like pop music. That's why everyone likes pop music. It's because it has this expectable pattern, and you know where it's going to go. So your brain has this little pleasure hit of knowing where the song's going to go, and then it gets a pleasure hit when it actually goes in the correct direction. And again, it's it and it's sort of positive, you know, that it's got an up note and it's a familiar beat, so you can sort of be cynical. When you're around other people and go, yeah, it's stupid and everything's ironic or whatever, but but by yourself when you hear those kind of songs, you you kind of you, you're singing you along, aren't you? It. Ba, ba, mm-hmm. ba, 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 and for ba. most of them, the, the chorus is, is noises. It's not even like boop 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 do 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 do. Like those are the most popular songs. Yeah. Like I didn't have to learn anything. That's the songs that last. Yeah, that's that's just a good pop song. Can you sing along? <laughs> Can I sing along to this? No, chuck it out. I just hum it. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> but that's like whenever someone's doing brown eyed girl there's always that part everyone sings along cuz it's like it's just not, it's just sounds la di da and everyone's like excited about it don't know one word of the song i've heard that song a million times <laughs> you ever heard a song a pop song especially that you've heard a million times and you suddenly realize what it's about and you're appalled <laughs> yeah. Like he's suddenly like that doot 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 song. They're playing that on the, the, the Tigger movie and it's like it's about meth heads. Yeah, yeah. But it's so excited. Boop, and boop, like, boop, boop, someone boop, boop, someone turns to you one day and you go you like, you know that song's about stalking someone. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That song's about having sex with puppies, you know. Like, what? <laughs> like, no, no, it's about doot 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 didn't you hear it's the chorus right, about doot 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 doot? That's the chorus. It's right there in the lyrics. Oh my God! <laughs> Nobody listens to the bits in the verses. It's a chorus. It's boop boop boop. That's all you like. Well, that's what music's for. I mean, not to say that the lyrics should should be nonsense, but music is about but evoking it works emotion. Just as well. Like the music, the music brings out a feeling, and then you know, because it takes certain kind of people. Like when you like singer songwriter kind of people, you're more likely like folk music. You're more likely to understand the lyrics and be listening to it. Yeah. But your your general pop, the lyrics mean nothing for the most part every song is about the same thing they're all love songs they're all about love and sex that's every one of them every popular song that you've ever heard is about love and sex and that's okay it's universal but it's about a feeling that you're trying to hold on to you get some of those pop songs and you listen to them and you're like that song makes no sense when you put all the lyrics together but this doesn't matter I've heard songs where they've completely changed the lyrics and it doesn't like they did that with what was it I Want It That Way the Backstreet Boys song and there's a version of it where they're talking about partying Instead of heartache, like ain't nothing but a party. Instead of ain't nothing but a heartache, and they just completely changed that when they released it. <laughs> it just, it's a completely different cares? song, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, 
Same tune. Well, it's like the Black Eyed Peas. They're like the song, what is it? Let's get it started in here. Originally, it was called "Let's Get Retarded" in here, <laughs> yeah. and it someone's like, "Hey, you probably should tweak that a little if you want that to be a hit." Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, they change the words. It, it doesn't it, matter. It doesn't matter at all, except that it made it more accessible. Nobody would be offended by "Let's Get It Started in Here" or whatever. So, yeah, so maybe they should the have thought that's of that themselves. Little... You know, they. It's not something that they. You know, who who wrote that song well, and because... goes? Everyone loves saying "retarded." This would be great. Let's get retarded. Yeah. But that's it, that's what producers and managers are, are, are for. Meaningless. You know, you die. Yeah, that's what yeah, record you guys are companies kind of stupid, We were talking about that. We're always talking about the studios and how the limitations are sort of a good thing, and that's yeah. like, that's an example, I think. Like, they stop I've these... always felt like the system works because there's always a voice of reason that comes in. It's like, I know you're an artist and everything, but just hear me out. Yeah. Well, it's like with the whole, with the whole Twitter retarded? thing that's always going on, and they're like, oh, man, just take their Twitter account off them. Please, just shut it down. We can't control what they're going to say if they can tweet it in 140 characters immediately from their phone. We're yeah, the world them. without filters is not necessarily a good thing. We don't want people to know who, which ones are the racist ones, which ones are the idiots who don't listen. Yeah, and... yeah. Unless you want to know what celebrities are morons, and then Twitter's funny. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's good for. Because they immediately, I mean, they can't wait to just Reveal show themselves. their ass <laughs> completely. That is funny. Here's the thing about the Avengers is not the only one that does this, and I'm sure I'm not the only person to notice this or bring it up, but. What is the deal with every superhero team having to have a guy that's really good with a bow? <laughs> because bow and arrows are like, cool. What is that for? But, I mean, seriously, of everybody, it's like, you've got the Hulk. You've got the Norse god Thor. You've got Iron Man, who's like a super genius in a robot And then suit. you've got the hot chick. And some dude with a bow and, and arrow. Then, yeah, a hot chick who's really good at karate. So... I'm assuming that she can at least recon. That's what she does. Yeah. She like scopes things out and says, "No, it's a bunch of purse snatchers. I'll take care of this. Don't call in, you yeah. know, the Norse god Thor. It's unnecessary." <laughs> like that's probably her job. But you got a guy who's like a trained soldier, and he shows up with a bow. It's like I could understand a guy who's like a trained soldier being part of a crack unit for the same reason. It may it might not warrant the Hulk. You know, he's hard to wrangle. Well, you, you can see why to track he, him he down. and the um redheaded boobs chick. You could see why they would work well together in a military situation if they're going to be covert ops or something like that. But when it comes to a superhero team, you kind of wonder what his place is. Yeah, he's not like a master tactician. Because I understand why the Justice League has Batman. Because he's like a master tactician. He's always telling them where to go and what to do because superheroes are usually sort of morons. So he's like, actually... I'll go punch it. And he's like, uh, actually... Yeah, I'll punch it really hard. It's like, okay, well, punch it there because that looks like it's weak spot. That's okay, good, okay. Let's go. Yeah, I'll probably use my heat ray on it. Like, I don't care. Just go. Or I could breathe real cold on it. I know, man. Just, would you do it? Do it now. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> like, like a, like a throwing a bone to, to a dog. Go. Yeah, you need somebody's voice of reason. Because when not something. That, they've got Nick Fury for that, and that's why he's awesome. Well, yeah, no he's like the, the Wrangler, yeah. and. So I could see where you're bringing in Hawkeye and he's like a special forces guy and maybe he's got some military. He's bringing the military edge to it. But then as soon as everything seems normal, he like brings out a suitcase. He's like, actually, I'd rather bring my bow. It's like, really, man? Like, I mean, having a guy who's really good at a gun. and less accuracy? Really? Yeah, I mean, that's that's like saying, you might as well say I'll fight with my bolos. Do it left-handed. That's... 
<laughs> exactly. I also know a guy who's really good with a trident if you need that. It's like, no! <laughs> you're, you're standing in front of the Hulk. What can you possibly do with a bow that that would help the Hulk? When they were trying to justify his presence in an interview, they're like, oh no, he totally takes down the Hulk because he shoots him with tranquilizers, which no one else could have done. And I'm like... No other sharpshooter with a rifle could have shot him with tranquilizers. Plus, Seriously, are you are you telling you need me the hammer of Thor? Hmm? I bet you you tranquilize the fool out of somebody with the hammer of Thor. <laughs> Why do we need him? But if you just need, and that's to his shoot only job right? is to like babysit the Hulk. Like maybe we need to rethink the Hulk situation. But I mean, you don't even need someone who's a sharpshooter because Iron Man could have a tranquilizer in his suit, and he has aiming systems on his computer. I know. He's like, why don't I have like a tranquilizer ray? I'm in a robot suit. Yeah. I never once, you know, I, when I was designing the Iron Man suit, you know, with my super genius, I never once thought, but can it shoot arrows? Not once. Never it came up. Can shoot up. everything else. Yeah, it's, it shoots some kind of ray. I don't even know what this button is. That's that's toothpaste right there, like the dad from <laughs> Gremlins. <laughs> like, But uh, never, never an arrow. Yeah, and if it needs to shoot something like a tranquilizer, it's pretty damn easy to set up a, a tranquilizer from somewhere else that will actually go, you know, you don't even need to get near the dude. It can just be heat-seeking or whatever. Yeah, I don't understand at all. It doesn't even have to be tranquilizer, really. Don't we all? Couldn't like do something that with a sonic frequency that would sort of calm him down? Won't that turn him back to Bruce Banner? Just bring his girlfriend. I mean, there, problem solved. Science—that's what it takes. No bow necessary. <laughs> it's it's just, to me. It seems like they're trying to find reasons to put him in there. Well, yeah, because every classic super team has always had a guy with a bow because I guess they're fun to draw. Yeah. Oh, everyone likes bows. It's never now. made sense. Like Green Arrow was in the Justice League. You know, bow and arrows. It's cool. It's awesome. It's Robin Hood. Yeah. But, but it's like saying, you know, hey man, what? Are you, why don't we get Rambo to be in the Justice League? He's really good with a bow. <laughs> like, like you would never think that that would be ridiculous. And Rambo at least shot like arrows with explosive tips on them. But even when he had to fight a million guys, he like took out an M60. He wasn't like, oh, hold on, hey, hold on a second, I've got a special arrow for also, that. Also, it's not really a superpower. I mean, it's not. Just being it's a limitation stuff. in the modern world. Like, if I was going to put together an elite team of regular people, I wouldn't say, and a guy who's really good with a bow. <laughs> a guy who's really good with a bow is only useful in a zombie scenario. Yeah, I mean, if we're putting together a zombie team, Hawkeye, you're in. But yeah. apart from yeah. that, if we've got if superpowers, huge dudes. We've got robot suits. We've got some chick. You know, we don't really need a guy with a bow and arrow. Again, though, zombies and vampires would probably stand zero chance against Iron Man and Captain America. Unless they're Marvel zombies. Yeah, well, that's only because they're zombie superheroes. But, okay. Well, what I'm just putting it out there. (laughs) I guess that that was enough. I watched the, uh, the other version of The Avengers last night, the one with Sean Connery in it. Oh my god, I forgot about that movie. You know, we That's talked about 60s sci-fi shows and we never once mentioned the Avengers show. Not that I was I followed that show a lot, but we probably did it that probably did bear mention as a 60s TV show. It, it's such an odd movie because you can tell it's trying to be silly and it's trying to reference these 60s campy stuff, but at the same time it takes it so seriously. Mm-hmm. You can't be like sticking out your tongue and doing it with a frown on your mouth. Like it's really it's an odd thing to watch. Well, it's sort of like sticking your tongue out and then telling people not to laugh. 
Like, yeah. again, the tone issue. Now, I, I remember, I haven't seen that movie since it came out, but I remember enjoying the, the campiness of it. But, yeah, it almost would be more fun to go, like, with a total Austin Powers thing. Although, I have to say, I like the scene where they're all in bear suits for no reason. Yeah, it's so <laughs> For funny. their secret like, meeting. It, like, makes one of the, more, the f- most fun. you got to wonder about Sean Connery princess. sometimes with the scripts that he picks up. Yeah. Does, he, does he read them or is he just drunk? <laughs> this will be really fun. It's like, dude, bear drunk. suits. Of course. Of course. Bear shoot. Bear shoot, why not? <laughs> yeah. He's just reading the script and he's like, I think this scene would be better if we did it in bear shoot. Yeah, they just showed up. Maybe they just wrote it straight and everyone showed up for their costume fitting. <laughs> and they're like, wait a second, what? Like, we, wait, yeah, why we, are these bear suits back here? We had oh, a brainstorm. thing we're doing. Can we put them on? This oh, yeah, just put them on. It'd be funny. Are you, this, are you sure we need this for motion capture? Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome when we're done and I like the whole premise is like nobody can know who you are so you have to wear a bear suit <laughs> like what that, we can't just wear awesome. masks or phone in Mm-mm. damn that no Done. no bear suits There's, it's impossible to recognize a man in a bear suit there's all kinds of mannerisms you can pick up well you didn't have to masked. cast actual actors for that you just you know cast someone who wanted to wear a bear suit oh my god that that's a funny one I do I did enjoy that I think when it came out it is funny, and we did laugh watching it, but at the same time, it is taking itself so seriously that it does stifle you a little, and you're like, it's confusing. I remember the well, first time that, that I watched it was like to, really to late at night, again. and you turn it on, the, you know, you sometimes you're awake at 2am, and you're like, what's on? And you like, click it on, and it's like, what the hell is this? Because you're mostly asleep, and you don't really understand what it is. <laughs> That's a product experience. of the 90s. The 90s was very tonally confused, because the 90s, everything was supposed to be sort of ironic. So you didn't know if anything was real or if it was a spoof of something. It's like, is this supposed to be funny? Or is it supposed to be serious? Is this some kind of avant-garde? You're drinking tea in the like, car, and every time she looks at someone, it's like, yeah. I went to that. But, I, you know, that girl, I do and think she has to wriggle every time she walks. I don't have a problem with that. And it's Uma Thurman, so, like, her character is going to be a joke anyway, isn't it? Yeah, like in uh, the Batman movie. Where she's yeah, we watched that the other day, too. It was on TV. Ugh. We're like, oh, let's watch this. Oh, It'll be great. God. I mean, we could mention that like, oh, when we're talking about, we like, sequel misfires, but... <laughs> it's more of a franchise misfire. Yeah, because, really, not enough of that franchise went right to blame any one particular one, although that one did make a proper nail in the coffin. That one was yeah. sort of that was the turd in the pool. I was like, okay, we're done. Everybody out. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no arguing what's going on right now. We cannot stay here. <laughs> that was a good one. But we also did mention that in our unfortunate sequels, we mentioned. I think Brooks said that the first Batman was okay and all the rest were horrible. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that, but I I wouldn't go far enough to disagree either. Mm. Because that whole franchise sort of was started losing integrity with each installment until the fourth one was unbearable. Yeah, well, I I kind of found was it, which one was the one with the penguin? Was that the third one that was unbearable for me as well? That was the second one. Was it? And, oh, yeah. I was like, what is it? This penguin? Yeah, and the penguin was terrible. The, the oh. I liked Catwoman in that movie. Catwoman but, uh, wasn't so bad. It's just but that the story you didn't see was of was idiotic. And then in the third one, when they started bringing in Jim Carrey, and the fourth one was that one with like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're like, oh, no. That's like I was talking about with Gary. It's like, 
at some point when that fourth one came back, you were like, wait a second, maybe none of these have been good. And you had to go reevaluate the whole series. It's like, I see now where I gave the benefit of the doubt in areas where I shouldn't have, and I realized that these have been bad from, from very early on. Yes, much worse than I thought they were. <laughs> yeah, I was I was giving them the benefit of the doubt they were building to something, but I can see now, given full reign, what they've chosen to do, that... that they no- were already circling the drain pipe. We thought they were sailing yeah. along fine, but they were already circling that drain pipe. I see now that everything good was accidental. <laughs> oh, there are some new movies coming out that I think will be interesting. Now, I heard this as a rumor, but I googled it, and it, it seems to be true that Michael Bay is working on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Did you hear the biggest thing about that? I don't that know. they're some... not going to be mutant turtles, they're actually going to be aliens? Well, see, I don't know what the story is going to be because some people online are already pointing out, technically speaking, the ooze that, that, that made them what they are is, is alien in origin. Is it now? But I thought it was just radioactive ooze. Well, it depends on what you take to be canon. Also, it should be. Oh, yeah. There's always that issue. I think if we but take the, the cartoon Ninja into Turtles account, were they were weren't they meant to be a parody of Daredevil? They were. They were so, in every way a parody of Daredevil. Like, I mean, because um, yeah, that little scene at the, the beginning the, the where canister they're, they're the canister that hits and Daredevil, gets... and that's his origin. In in their yeah. origin, this canister sort of bounces off and falls into the thing so that whatever gives him his superpowers is also the mutagen the mutagen that makes them what they are and uh they do other things uh it's a love letter to Frank Miller the whole series was but um it's a whole heap of fun he That's fights what I a, a ninja clan called the hand they fight a ninja clan called the foot yeah his mentor is called stick their mentor is called splinter <laughs> like it's it's a direct parallel like it's it's men is a direct spoof of of the Frank Miller dare, daredevil with turtles. But later on at some point, I think it may have been the cartoon that introduced this and not the comics ever touched on it, the origin of the ooze being extraterrestrial. Well, that makes sense but if the origin of the ooze is extraterrestrial. But I don't really want them to say that, I, I don't know, just yet another alien comes down and that's what I always liked about the turtles. I don't they were... think that's what they're getting at. I mean, I don't want to defend them too much because I don't know much about this project. Yeah, we don't know what anything. I'm reading, that sounds like an out-of-control rumor that spawns from the fact that the title of the film got condensed down to Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And everybody's upset. Think, see, they're not teenagers and they're not mutants anymore. It's like, that's not, like, the, <laughs> the, 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 the Paramount did that just to make it, you know, a shorter title. Because you kind of have to. Yeah, who cares? Really? They're Ninja Turtles. I well, mean, I like that Michael Bay's comment is, look, they're still going to eat pizza and shit. Can you just shut up? Yeah, it's the Ninja Turtles. Calm your ass down. Because <laughs> like, that's, that's my thought, too. It's like, they got their run. Like, settle down. It's just the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But according to him, in, in his comments, he said the writers that they have are very keen on making this faithful to the concept of the turtles he didn't really mention the comic book versus the cartoon although he did say that one of the creators of the comic book was on was board. consulting on, yeah. on the development of the script so I, I think it'd be fun i mean at this point i thought the the very first live action film that they did back in the day was a lot of fun i enjoyed that yeah. the other two were kind of so-so the second one being pretty bad but the third one being okay but the first one was very close to the comic, and I enjoyed it. I even liked that little like animated CG one that they did. That wasn't bad. 
So, you know, if they're going to take it in a new direction and try it out, it's okay. I mean, really, the it's, turtles just, had their it's a rehash run. anyway. It's like everything else these days. It's just a rerun of something from our childhood. It's really just, you know, yes. get on with it. They're remaking Total Recall. Yeah. I saw a trailer That's today cool. that Colin Farrell's in a Silly. remake of Total Recall. All rubbish. Just I'll accept it as long as they have a, a, a three-breasted space prostitute. That's something that Total Recall brought to the table that I'm, I'm not prepared to... To compromise on three tits, awesome. That's all I'm asking for. It's not too much. It's not too much. Uh, I saw a trailer for another interesting-looking movie called Safety Not Guaranteed, and I thought this was neat. Oh yes, I saw that one on the forum. Yeah, I posted that like earlier today because I got excited about it because this is something Brooks posted this a long time ago. This weird classified ad about a guy saying, you know, need someone to travel back in time with me. I've only done this once before. Must bring your own weapon. Safety not guaranteed. That's like the the ad. And apparently they've developed this into a movie, which I don't think is supposed to be based on the actual guy who wrote this ad or anything. But they just took that as a concept, and it looks like a I decent movie. I like it movie. because it is like just you know when you when we read that ad, everyone gonna go, "Who's this guy? I wonder what that's about." Yeah, who and is you immediately this guy? start speculating it, and it's like they were just sitting around speculating about this, and they go, "We should make that movie." We should make that movie of just us speculating about this one little ad. Yeah, and that, that, that is a good place to start, and it looks like they've made a fun movie. Aubrey Plaza is in it, and I think she's great. So I think and a couple other funny movies. I can't, a, a couple other funny people are in the, the movie. Uh, I don't know his name, but the, the guy in the movie, the main guy, is, is uh, one, of, one of the main players in New Girl, that Zooey Dachanel show on Fox. That looks terrible. I really enjoy it. I think it's very funny. It's full of funny people. But, and also she she also is adorable. So it, that helps. Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite so touched by that. So perhaps I wouldn't be so amused by her since I'm not prone to big eyes. Well, I think that it, it's fun as far as like one thing they did in the show that I really appreciated was it, it was built as a vehicle for her, but over the first few episodes of the show, they've really fleshed out all the characters so they have their own idiosyncrasies. Because at first you thought the show was about, well, it's these normal kind of dude dudes and this crazy girl moves in with them. You're like, okay. But after after a few episodes, they're all nuts. So now it's a much more well-balanced and fun show because the, it, now it's just about a bunch of idiots living together. Well, there's only so long you can take the manic pixie routine and make it funny. Yeah, and I and I think but giving everybody else their own their own character and their own little idiosyncrasies, it's it's made the show well, well a lot like more balanced. Well, it's like the Big Bang Theory. You know, everyone sort of watches it to watch Sheldon being funny, but all the other characters have their little quirks as well. Yeah, and what's funny about that is that's part of this sort of movement of geek chic where yeah. you can't tell if you know the, the the nerd thing is so prominent now you know that nerds are sort of gratified to that stuff like big bang theory like i watch it it's fun but at some point you are wondering but are they actually just making fun like yeah. is it is it you know like is it cheeky amongst people who really like this stuff or is it just making fun of people that like this stuff and it's doing it in such a way that the people are enjoying being made fun of I can't tell that, like, with, with the geek sheet, because those characters are so over-the-top nerdy. Like, they they do everything nerdy. 
Like I've never met anybody that is yeah, that one hundred percent. Yeah, it's like they took out the nerd handbook and took all of the worst stereotypes. Yeah, they do everything. Like they're they're weak. They can't do any kind of physical activity. They they are, are scientists and they like all science fiction shows. Like first of all, I don't know anybody who likes all science fiction shows. There's a lot of factions when it comes to science fiction. I appreciated yeah. about Sheldon that at one point they said that Sheldon was a Babylon Five hater, and I appreciated that because I I, I it's sort of a identified with that like it's like no i like i hate it it's derivative i don't like to watch it it's like finally <laughs> at least that that th- that sort of is more what i have come to understand of nerds is because they love arguing about the things that are to everyone else <laughs> entirely the same <laughs> well so, i don't think it's much different that. to any other things like i mean the nerds will get their show that they like and they'll argue with someone about a very similar show that's not as good. And it's no different to sporting teams who are all doing exactly the same thing or fashion where it all looks mm-hmm. exactly the same to me but it's so different to the people in the fashion industry. Or politics no for that matter. Politics they're cracks all lying me up bastards. because when the other – they're all lying bastards but the ones that I support. Mm-hmm. And when someone else does it, it's wrong. And when we do it, there's a justifiable reason. It's like the, the, yeah. this built-in hardwired hypocrisy uh, of people who are really enthusiastic about politics. This blows me away. This this, this so unassailable dogmatism. I don't think nerds are that different to anyone else. I just think it's that what they like is classified as nerdy. Science fiction. Well, but in today's world, all these things individually, like most people that you run into are really into video games because video games are a lot cooler. You know, most yeah. people are really into one or another. You know, they really like big movies or they really like TV or whatever. But these guys like it all. Like they play the card games and they play the computer games and they play the role playing games. It's like, well, I'm not sure. Like these things are kind of opposed to each other. Like, you do have like analog nerds like myself that don't embrace the new nerd technologies. Yeah. And that's what these guys are older than me, just about, you know what I mean? Like they're more the classical nerds. But so it does seem like just sort of this scattergun of things that we've heard about in the nerd culture yeah, nerds put do together. All this stuff, don't they? Yeah, all of it. They're they're into this stupid crap. All the stupid crap. Yeah. They don't date girls. <laughs> Apart from the hot so, ones. Yeah, really, the one hot one. And they sort of they, actually the one who lives been, with his mom is the one who's They've kind of been almost like, justifying it engaged. by saying, you know, but in real life, those two actors were dating, and it's like, yeah, because he's an actor, not a nerd. Yeah, he's a millionaire. <laughs> like uh, millionaire actors probably do have hot girlfriends. So I've been watching Revenge. So I quite like Revenge. I've seen the promos for that. I have not watched it. I like it. It's is not. It, is it, it's a fun, like a nighttime soap. Is that basically what it is? Yeah, with with a bit of killing. So it's it's just fun because you know you, it's it's quite well written and you've got good actors in there and they just I don't know. I just I just think it's a solid show because it's nothing new. It's nothing fantastic, but it's just good and entertaining and you get to watch people be really really catty to each other and <laughs> have a lot of fun with it. I think. I mean, there's no winking to the audience. They take it very seriously, and I like that. But it's just good that there are some shows with actual writing coming back these days. Writing and production quality are much more in vogue in television. I actually think the writing in television is a lot stronger than the writing in movies these days. Yeah. It seems like there's a higher level of quality in television and a much higher level of actual storytelling. Like I, these days, you when you like something and you hear they're making a TV show, you're much more happy. 
you're much more excited than if you heard they're making a movie. It's like, oh god, well they're going to homogenize that into a mess. Well, yeah, that was the thing with but Game like, of no, Thrones. No, HBO is going to make a TV show out of it. Like, it's oh, it's god, so good that awesome. they made the TV show of Game of Thrones because there's no way they could have done. I mean, they had to condense so much anyway just to get it into the twelve episodes, but they did so well. And you know, you get so much more of it than if you had had a, just a TV show. They would have had to just a movie. They would have had to cut out most of the characters and just yeah. I always thought that you know, like, with made the a really t- quick the thing Stephen of it. King thing. Like they're making like a giant like epic much miniseries on the stand. It's like, but why don't you just make a twenty episode full season that adapts that book like a finite series? Like because everything Stephen King does is boring. You don't want to get a whole twenty episodes of it. <laughs> well, Blah. people eat it up. I mean, I'm sure you could do something with it. <laughs> Well, these days, it would be 12 episodes anyhow. A lot of the horror stories, I read them, and I'm like, you know, the actual story of this, you could have told in a very short story, but the ages and ages you spend introducing every single character in detail who so much as walks past the main character that we didn't need to know about. Well, and Stephen King, too, they're all caricatures and archetypes. I mean to write a paper on... On with a blacklist of because every writer has their things they should look for and no longer incorporate. Like, see if you can write a story without using these elements. A creative writing exercise where people say, write an essay and don't use any of these words. This is what you should like. Stephen King, you should never have a person who is an addict or an alcoholic or something like that. You know, avoid, and no more religious people. Avoid characters who suffer from some form of sibling rivalry, especially a sibling who is dead, usually preferred by the parents. Like, avoid characters who are superior in their ability to interpret reality because they're so creative. Which <laughs> leads to the superstitious ones because everyone else is a superstitious moron. So avoid that also. Yeah, avoid any mention of religion. Just avoid. Idiotic nursery rhymes and colloquialisms that you think make the characters sound grounded. Avoid anything that rhymes. <laughs> that was the funny thing in Tommyknockers. Because, like, it's, it's so different in the movie. They've got all the, the nursery rhyme and stuff. And you kind of you hear the rhyme and you're like, oh, this is going to be all about this. And it's going to be this creepy thing. And then in the book, it's just a word that she uses for no reason to describe them that has no relevance. Because he just... he. I don't want to use the word plagiarize, because he's not. But what he does is he rips interesting ideas from sort of archaic m- myths, usually what, rural myths. Like Salem's myths. Lot wasn't plagiarized? Like, but, well, that's classic that vampire story. I mean, that's, again, that's a, it's a typical vampire story. But but it's we, we get it now. It's become too prevalent. You know, let it go, because it, it's too often that these same elements are, are are recurring in your work. That it's that we see it now. It's becoming a pattern that is noticeable in your work. Because I'll tell you one, and I would love to do an episode on this if, if anybody has actually read these books. I'm going through the the Dark Tower series, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy them. I think this may be like his best work, is because they're so weird, like this this sort of weird epic fantasy. Western. Well, it's good that he's gone in a different direction, I think. But it still suffers from, you know, because you can tell the character Eddie in it, who's like a recovering heroin addict, is his <laughs> avatar. It has an avatar in every one of these stories, and it's always a guy who is creative. 
and it's always mm-hmm. a guy who suffers addiction, and it's always a guy who had some kind of problem with a sibling, usually a brother, usually an older one, usually a dead one. Like, and we get it. I, I know you think even in the mist, like the guy who was so much more intelligent and better at dealing with problems than everyone else was a guy who painted the covers for movie posters and novels. You know, it's like if you have just an ounce of creative ability, you're better than everybody. Then, then you're a hero. Yeah. It's like it's obvious. We know what you're getting at. It's okay. We love you. Okay. It's okay. Take the big group hub. All right, we accept you. Stop There's one writer who irritates me for for this repetition thing. David Eddings, and you read his books, and at first you read them and you go, "Oh, these characters are all funny and they're so witty and it's amusing," and then you read the next books and you're like, "These are new characters, but they all sound exactly the same, and every woman speaks with the same voice and every man speaks with the same voice and." They're always exactly the same relationships and everything is the same. Even the time that he wrote like a modern day horror book, like, but all of the girls sound exactly the same as Polgara and they all have the same voice. They use the same sass. The Joss Whedon thing is like you want the, the, they like that witty dialogue so much that everybody is extremely witty. Yeah. And you accept it because you like the witty dialogue, but, but yeah, it does become, it becomes an encumbrance when you're wanting to break. Well, I wouldn't call David Eddings you just witty, love that witty anyway. dialogue so much. <laughs> well, if it's not witty, then it's not. No, then, it's, it's, then it's no all of the girls are sassy, and all of the guys are slightly <laughs> in stupefied by the girls. In stupefied isn't a word. I'm sorry, but <laughs> <Instupefied>. you know. <laughs> so I mean, and that relationship in carries for the every single male female. Indumining of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah. that, that and, and everyone has it to a point. I, I wouldn't take those. I wouldn't take that away. All of those away from everyone. But you should watch for the reason. I, I'm sure that it's not that he doesn't notice this. It's that he thinks we don't. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's what he thinks. That's where it starts to really eat at me. Where I think he actually thinks he's getting away with it. It's like, look, I am getting away with it. I turn this crap out. It sells a bajillion copies. I'm a millionaire. You're just some guy on a podcast. Shut up. <laughs> you can't show the podcast. It, what bothers even. me is, yeah, he is getting away with it. <laughs> That's what's bothering me. No. But if you're wanting to grow, which I guess you're not, but if you were wanting to like write your seminal work, then that's that's what I would look at at working out. Well, it's not exactly, you know, the, the great American novel if it's just the same thing as over again. Yeah, even in The Dark Tower, which I feel like is a real stretch for him creatively and a, and a real special sort of project, I feel like it still suffers those vulnerabilities because he'll indulge that what is really ultimately laziness. Mm. When When you just stay completely in your comfort zone creatively, it's laziness. Because, again, you're just creating characters that you've created before that there's nothing new about them. And, just put and, them in new clothes and we'll say they're a different character. And really, if they're you, then that's like textbook high school bad writing. <laughs> if the fact that they're the same is because they're you, then it just becomes sad. You're just writing a fanfic now, aren't you? Yeah. And... You see yourself. Everyone does. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but it shouldn't become that. The bones of it shouldn't be that easy to see. 
But so take a creative writing for class, Stephen King. Instead of writing creative writing books, are you serious? That pissed me <laughs> off too. Do not write a book about writing. Not not when this is what you're putting. Did out you read there. the book? No. It's it's no it's not really about creative writing. Most of it is it like autobiographical, yeah. where he just like yeah, they, big they, surprise. he's divided into three sections, and there's a section that's just him waffling about why he likes to write, and there's a section about him just talking about why he's not an addict anymore, and then there's a little bit at the back where he just goes through some creative writing 101 points that aren't very good. Yeah, I I really think what he is is he's a free form creative person that can get by without having to work at it too hard, and he thinks that's the way you're supposed to do it. Because I remember one time he was he he said something in something he wrote about how he didn't respect people who wrote outlines for stories. Yeah, you can respect other people's techniques. Well, there's that, and plus, I mean, that's a structured way. I mean, at some point, I don't think you need to write an outline once you got a a story in your head, but it it wouldn't hurt. You you either have to you got to do one or the other. You either have to write an outline, or you have to do very critical revisions of your first draft. And I don't see him doing either. I just think that everybody has a different way of writing or working or being creative, and it's not up to one person to say your method's wrong. The way you're doing it is wrong. It's like, you know what? If it's working, just shut up. Maybe the method of doing it while you're high and nose is bleeding from cocaine isn't the right method either. You know, maybe you should look at yourself. Everybody does it differently. Yeah. What being creative is about. It's expressing not, yourself, not expressing what someone else thinks is the right way to go about things. For me, he's just kind of like an oral storyteller who transcribes. And that, that freeform feeling, it doesn't feel very, his stories don't feel very well thought out. And I'm no. not. I don't mean that to be critical because I do enjoy his work, but I do. I'm. I'm Hence critical the long of him a lot. Sections of introducing people who don't matter. Yeah, and characters. Again, he thinks he's getting away with these characters like being layered, but really he's just slapping on. Like the colloquial dialogue will make me crazy. It's like you're not making these people accessible. <laughs> people don't talk like that. You sound like you're trying to sound like. The, the vulgar talk of normal people who aren't as intellectual as you. And it's making me crazy. Because people I don't talk, talk like, like a that. normal person. Yeah, it's like you're writing these characters to be dumb hicks because you think that's how dumb hicks talk because you think you're so smart. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's always irritating when you have someone who thinks they're smart who's trying to create this dumber character. And you could just you could just feel the talking down. Mm-hmm. It, it's just as stupid as a dumb writer trying to write a smart character. Yeah, well, that's pretty bad too. But at least they're trying. You know, I appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, you can see what the corner they're in, like the like the last several seasons of MacGyver. You could just see. Okay, so MacGyver is like the smartest man in the world, and then like, whoa, hold on, what? Like, yeah, I know. That's why Sherlock's been working, because they've got that Moffat dude writing it, and he's awesome. You've got to have smart writers. I mean, especially... Well, you have to have smart writers for smart characters, it goes without saying. Mm. But, but yeah, with you, especially, you you can't get just anybody to write Sherlock Holmes, and you can't get just anybody to write I don't know, because Arthur Conan Doyle believed in fairies, and he believed those pictures were real fairies, so he had his own idiosyncrasies. Yeah, but he was a pretty smart guy. In fact, he was he, he was smarter in his writing than maybe he was in life because he'd created yeah. sort of simple scenarios for Sherlock Holmes. Like, because the stories were so simple, you know, he sort of spoon-fed Sherlock Holmes these, these situations. 
So really, by doing that, he created this character who is actually smarter than the material he spawned from. So people are trying to write something that's worthy of this character. <laughs> but at the same time, like the original source material doesn't necessarily demonstrate exactly how smart it's most of the time people talking about how smart he is he's not doing as many smart things so it's very clear, cleverly like conceived movie. i enjoyed it but it is, it is over the top as far as uh i do I, like sometimes you feel like they're pushing it a little too hard like this guy's weird and look at his brother's weird too look he's naked because he's weird see he's naked because he's weird you get it well, one thing I do like with these movies a little bit is that at least the peripheral characters are not just in awe of Holmes's ability. Because in the stories, like Watson is not very well represented in the stories because he never knows anything. <laughs> so at least he's explaining in, to character, he's a much better represented character in these movies. And yeah. Holmes is fun, but he is a little too out of control. He's like House. That that's the model that of the modern yeah, Sherlock of Holmes. They try to make him like House, and that's their relationship. But, but that's I think it works. I just, it's, I also, it's a fun I, interpretation. The ending annoyed me. The ending annoyed me a lot. I think from the whole thing from the whole we're going to have a fight in our heads, and he's like, "Whoa, well, I can fight in my head too." And it's like, how are they having a dialogue mentally? <laughs> They're having a telepathic. Fight. Yeah, is this what's going on? That was a bit silly. And then the whole thing of him hiding in the chair at the end, and that's why he was alive. I'm like, really? You have a camouflage suit, and it's just you fell a off like of a, a chair? cliff, and but you had and it's a because respirator. Because you had his asthma inhaler, really? Yeah. And 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 you wanted to come back and say hello to Watson, and you did so by hiding in a chair in a camouflage suit so bad that if you sniff, people will know you're there. And Watson didn't realize you were there. Watson, really? your student You're Watson just... didn't realize you were I'm sitting like, in a no. chair. Yeah, that yeah. was too cheeky because really, to being an adaptation of the final problem. It would have made a lot more sense if they had left it open that he was dead. I mean, yeah. I guess they could have ambiguously suggested that maybe he lived, but just outright having him come back sort of negated. Because the story of the final problem is Sherlock Holmes realizing he can't beat Moriarty. And the only yeah. way to rid so the world to of Moriarty is, is to do the one thing that Moriarty won't see coming, which is to take them both out. Because yeah. Moriarty is selfish, he's he's self-centered. He he would not he wouldn't see that another person would be willing to do that, and that's yeah. sort of the character well, that's, that's of Moriarty. That's one of the things in the in the TV series. It's completely different. That the whole Moriarty thing, it, it's completely twisted in a different way. It's fantastic, but it's not. It's not that. It's very different. To, and they I'll do. To Netflix, they the have show. that half a second right at the end. You should watch it because I've been, I've he dies and it's. And they don't leave it ambiguous as to whether or not he survives. And I think that's the way you, you need to you need to just go full tilt because originally when when Doyle wrote that story, it was intended to actually be the death of Sherlock Holmes. He wanted to kill him because he was sick of him. Well, because and he, they were like, "No, keep writing it." And he's like, "Fine." If you read the old die. stories, like several of the stories have the same plot. Like they're, yeah, well, they're very similar. I mean, they were fun for people, but he was kind of out of these little, you know, these little sort of penny mysteries to to put out there. And he he decided a really good fun thing is to have this arch villain where they sort of just introduce and and he's the death within eight pages he's the death of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> you know, that was a good way to do it. 
Like they've created this sort of epic relationship oh, no, between my nemesis, Holmes uh. and Moriarty, but really, I mean, he just comes up immediately, and then, and then uh, they're dead. <laughs> but but, but the there's thing. outrage, and and the, he had to bring him back. I kind of felt that it was it was so much more ambiguous in the book. Because it is this whole Watson just follows the breadcrumbs and finds a note that says, yeah, I'm going to be dead by the time you find me. And then walks to the edge of the cliff and sees scuff marks and goes, oh, he must have fallen. Yeah, he has to deduce what happened. Because and, and for me, it's a little bit there. like, you know, just because there's a cliff there and there's nobody on it anymore doesn't mean that they've both fallen down. Whereas both in the movie and the TV series, he sees him fall down. So it's like, yep, there we go, falling down. See? Yeah, so the, just be like, the device is, is much easier in the story. It's like, well, I only thought that that's what happened. You know, you wrote a letter that indicated that that was probably going to be the outcome, and then you know, I, I'd sort of deduced that this this is what occurred. But but yeah, it, I mean, when you see that cliff in the movie, and you're like, you die before you down. hit the water. If you yeah. fell off that, yeah, the, I can survive because I had an asthma inhaler. <laughs> doesn't quite work. I've got some oxygen. It'll be okay. That'll make me survive the very long fall. Yeah, I mean, that would that'd kill you instantly. Yeah. It's just, it's just a fall would kill you, so... Yeah. Let alone that. I mean, I can't, okay. I I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, who cares if you can breathe? I like the How It Should Have Ended version where he's like, I was in the next room! <laughs> you didn't need to jump off a cliff! Oh, that's, that's why it works funny. slightly better in that version. We were watching, I was talking to, to a buddy of mine about Wrath of the Titans, and because uh. me and Gary talked about this a little bit too, but but you know, this is as far as how it should have ended. This is what kills me at the end of Clash of the Titans, where he goes to all this trouble, he gets the Medusa head, he holds it up, he, he petrifies the Kraken, and then like a minute later. A minute later, he just tosses the Medusa head. It's like, what are you out of your mind? Like, it's the most powerful thing. First of all, so a kid could find that. What do you, what do you do? Just throwing it away? They always do that. You gotta go put that in away. something. Yeah, like, that's I mean, just you irresponsible. Gotta, you just drop that on the beach. You know, the people go to the beach. <laughs> what are you doing? And it's then, gonna be the you beach know, of statues in a minute. For more obvious reasons, why not just hang on to it? Because in you know Clash of the Titans two, every Titan known to man is all of a sudden rising, and you have to fight them all individually. That'd be a short movie if oh, you just had the Medusa. I like head. that they've put it. They've brought back Andromeda, but now it's someone kick ass. <laughs> is she supposed to be the same character? I don't know, but like she's Andromeda. Oh lord! Again, I don't even understand. And now that. it's just Rosamund Pike, and she's got a sword. <laughs> and then they brought back Io at the end of the first movie for no reason, and she's not in this one. Yeah, well, got to give her. So whatever, we'll just get another hot chick. It doesn't matter. We just, we just, yeah, whatever. Yeah, this one's pretty. It, it really doesn't matter. It's it's wrath, wrath yeah, of the time. It doesn't not... matter. Did you see the effects? Have you seen you the, the 3D? You know yeah, have you seen the first one? The story is irrelevant. They didn't even bother casting. They just got Sam Worthington. Yeah, Sam Worthington, the ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't like him. 
He's just a brickie, really. Well, his, his features, he gives me that uncanny valley sensation. He looks like he doesn't move <laughs> enough to be human. He feels like he's well, a CG creation. They picked him up for Avatar, and he worked for Avatar because he was supposed to be like that. Yeah, because it's was seamless. It's the, they keep getting him in these CG things because he plays off of CG really well. He looks like he Likely. came out of that Final Fantasy movie. <laughs> just he keeps his lips move, but the teeth don't part when he talks. Everything's like this gritty growl. And, oh, like, what are you talking about? Who are you? Why doesn't your face make human emotions? He looks like a cartoon man. Maybe he is. Maybe he's just something that they're, they're just tricking us all. He's not a real person ever. That would make perfect sense. If you told me that, then that would explain everything to me. I'd be like, I knew it. He was made up from the beginning. Exactly. There's no real Sam Worthington. He's an avatar. I don't he's care if he's avatar. been on Conan. You know, Max Headroom had a talk show. That don't mean anything. He wasn't real either. Oh, my God. That's right. My world's crumbling. <laughs> my life is lies. <laughs> oh, apparently, Seth MacFarlane has a movie coming out called Ted, which is a live-action movie, but it looks just like The Family Guy, basically, where, where Marky Mark, is uh, he's dating Mila Kunis, and she's trying to get rid of. But apparently, he lives with his teddy bear, who is like a walking, talking teddy bear, with obviously ah. the voice of Seth MacFarlane. So it sounds just like Brian from Family Guy, and that's it. Looks funny because it looks like if they just did a live action sort of Family Guy with that same kind of idiotic humor, but said in a live action. Story. I'll be interested to see how that works because it works in Family Guy because it's a cartoon. Yeah, but to see them take it it into the real world seems like that's something that I'd have to see happen. I don't know. Muppets work, so it could happen. Muppets really shouldn't work. It reminds me. He's talking to a puppet. What's going on? What is the name of that show? They made this. They made this rip off with the dog married with children called Happily Ever After or something like that. And it was a direct ripoff of Married with Children, except that the dad would go down into the basement and talk to, like, this puppet dog that was voiced <laughs> by Bobcat Goldthwait. And, like, in every other way, like, all the characters, all the story concepts, everything was an exact ripoff of Married with Children, except he would just go have these conversations with this puppet. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of, this. Puppet dog. Puppet Dog. Puppet Dog. It's a new show. Now, that, that, that show with that... That was weird. That was Originally, I think it was a New Zealand show, Wilbur. And then they made it into an American show, and there's just a guy dressed in a big dog Yeah, yeah. Outfit. I haven't seen the original, but but the American version was really with, funny. With Elijah Wood, and he's just yeah, like, you know, weird, flirting with the funny. woman of the house and stuff, and it's like, what's going on? She's like, don't you eat my bra? And then like, what? I know, it's such a weird uh, juxtaposition because he talks to him, but he gives him dog advice. It's so funny. <laughs> Where he's like telling him, he's like telling him how to deal with like a rival. He's like, you gotta hold him down and you gotta, and you gotta give it to him. He's like, wait, what? It's like, that's right. It's like, you do that every goddamn day. <laughs> it's just like, that's horrible dog advice. You've got to dominate him. 
but it is funny. I watched the the first run. I don't know if there's any plans of bringing back the American version of that, but the first the first season of it was very funny. I've got a movie from the vault. Movies from the vault. That we haven't done one of those on the show in a while, but but this actually I was watching that show Monster Man. Do you have, have you seen any promos for that? No. It's some new thing on sci-fi where it's a reality show about makeup effects artists like who build oh, I think but I've it's heard not like a, a contest it's it's about a real shop where they build monsters and it's kind of fun cuz I like I like practical effects that so every I episode is them fighting that, like on YouTube or something. They're always fighting against digital effects cuz everybody does everything digital so that's like it's about this like them trying to preserve this dying craft and I, and I and it is fun but they had uh, Richard Elfman, who's like Danny Elfman's brother, was doing a sequel to this, and then and they started bringing this up, and they're like, I've never heard of Forbidden Zone, but they're talking about this movie Forbidden Zone and all this, like, this is a cult classic, like, i got to check this out, it's weird. Richard Elfman did it, and it had Danny Elfman in it, and it had Danny Elfman music, and I, I got this thing, I watched this thing today, it is interesting, it has got to be the weirdest goddamn movie I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> but... Well, tell but, us about it. What is it? What is the concept? Well, the, the concept it's set up like almost like this vaudeville sort of thing because it's like you can tell that they just went into a soundstage and they set up like these simple flats, like the, these simple backdrops of things, and they just got people together acting goony, and it is sort of like this vaudeville yeah. sort of acting and stuff, and these musical numbers. But it's, it's about a family that moves into a house, and the house has a portal to the sixth dimension in it. And, of course. Which is sort of like this hell dimension. But that makes it sound like it makes more sense than it does. Because <laughs> the, the whole thing is like start to finish, you're just watching it going, what is this? It's sort of like a Rocky Horror kind of thing. It's sort of like a Guar video. Like the, this weirdness of, of, of an offbeat sort of dialogue and acting. Wasn't that, and wasn't that in House 2? Got yourself here an interdimensional portal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But even that movie made perfect sense compared to this. <laughs> But I, I found it entertaining and weird. It's got Hervé Villachez in it as the king of the sixth dimension. <laughs> because every other dimension has some sort of king or overlord. Yeah, everything else has kings. Like, But our dimension, we're fine. You're just normal. But it's really weird and fun. I'm interested now, here, having heard that they're just recently making a Forbidden Zone sequel to see what that will be like. <laughs> But it's it's definitely fun. Like it came out in nineteen eighty two, so a good good while ago. But just a fun, weird movie. All right, we might have to have a look at that one. Yeah, I definitely say check it out. It's it it is a difficult. It's only an hour and thirteen minutes long, so it's a, won't impose on your time. Oh uh, well, I guess yeah. We didn't. We we will get to the sequel thing, but obviously that's not going to happen tonight. I think we're we're winding down towards yeah, wrapping already- up. Well, this is good. I like it when we can do the free talk one and that takes up an episode because that way we can jump right into topic. And who knows? But at least we were talking about something other than our pets. Yeah. And well, Thomas has got settled down. He's sleeping now. So he he had his little disruption and now he's fine. <laughs> so he's doing okay. Well, I, t- I just turned off the microphone and got rid of my cat. He's <laughs> trying to climb on my lap and meow. I'm like, just turn off the microphone. Oh, she will right. talk. Okay. Well, good. I've got I got some I got some good notes for next time, and some I think we'll have some Dolph Lundgren breaking news to discuss oh, okay. next time. So Excellent. I'll save I'll save that for for next week. That's a, that's a tease for you people. You got to come in next week. 
Yeah, Find out about the Dolph Lundgren miss, breaking news. The, the new Dolph, I don't know if it's breaking news or not, but we'll talk about Dolph Lundgren. I'll say well, that. It won't be breaking by next week, will it? Well, there's no Looks telling. Time. Next week, relative to when we're recording now, this ne- next week is already a fairly nebulous concept. <laughs> but we will be back. That's the important thing. Yes. Alright, so in the meantime, you can check out other episodes on tv8madinner.com. You can talk with us at forum.tv8madinner.com. You can check us out on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can email us at, uh, I think it's tv8madinner at gmail.com. Yeah. So, so the, all of those are, are out there. And we will be back next week to talk about some unfortunate sequels, sequel misfires, or maybe, I think, also sequels that worked in franchises that didn't. We'll flip, flip that pyramid and see what happens. Ah, that could be interesting. So, yeah. Perhaps so sequels p- that they were going to make and they didn't. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Sequ- a or sequels that, that. That, I, that they were going to make that I, that we thought maybe they should have. They like, should have made. Because that's happened before. Yeah. Interesting. We'll talk all things sequel. All things sequel, yeah. And it will be the sequel to our other sequel episode. And it is a sequel, possibly a misfire to, to that. <laughs> well, we'll leave that so to we'll you. Call it, yeah, we'll call it Un- Unfortunate Sequels Part 2. They're like, what is this Part 2? Yeah, Part 1 came out four years ago. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta stay, you gotta, you gotta stay current with our oeuvre. Alright, but in the meantime, thanks for listening. We will talk to you later on. And good, good night. My name is Sean. I'm Lynn. And, and goodbye. We'll <laughs> Bye-bye. I don't know. We said that all out of order. I blew that. Oh, God. Oh, let's just stop. Just stop. Stop the recording. Just turn it off. This has been TV8 My Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com.